Yeah, the rumors are true. I deleted my Twitter. Ha, can you believe it? I got to two million. Then I said adios. I had to say goodbye. And this little rap is to tell my friends why. No, it wasn't because my friend told me to. Y'all know very well what you say. I don't do. And the reasons are simple. I started tweeting about pimples. I stopped living for moments and started living for people. Dun, 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 dun. Ooh. Ooh. Dun, 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 dun. A little Miley and Mandy throwback classic for all the Miley Cyrus YouTube era fans out there. I was all up in that. I was a regular viewer of the Miley and Mandy show. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Emotionally Online with your host, the one and only Maddie Drosbeck, who just deleted her Twitter. Shove her spilling guts and sharing secrets. Here's my secret. I fucking hate Twitter. <laughs> it wasn't a secret at all. Before there was TikTok for me to complain about how much I hate, there was Twitter. Before TikTok came on the scene and said... Let me be the most absolutely diabolical social media app you've ever heard, babes. Oh my god. My British accent is failing me again. I feel like it's getting worse. The farther we get away from a Love Island season, the worse it gets. Anyways, when TikTok came on the scene and said, you know what, let me be the worst social media app that you've ever seen, I feel like I started being a hater about TikTok all the time, that I stopped being a hater about Twitter. But make no mistake, I've been a hater about Twitter for damn near centuries at this point. Okay, I fucking hate Twitter. The only reason why I have stayed on it all these years is because Twitter is really where I get my breaking news. Like, I feel like I was always afraid of deleting my Twitter because I'm like, okay, if I fucking delete that, I'm not going to hear about anything until like a few hours later. Right? Like, it's uh, if you have Twitter, you know about things the same second that they happen. And I was like, I don't know. I never want to be disconnected or out of the know in any way. I don't know if that's just like a product of this generation and always needing to have all the information at the at your fingertips at any given moment. Um, or if I don't know if that's just like a part of it's probably both part of who I am, but also a product of this generation and needing to be so connected all the time. But when I lay it out for myself and I'm like, okay. So what's the worst thing that happens if you delete your Twitter? Something happens in the news and you hear about it an hour later instead of right when it happens. Why does that feel so bad? Why do you not like that? And I'm like, because I am, I feel like part of my personality is being so current and up to date and always on top of everything that's going on ever. All the social media trends, all the news cycles. Like I feel like I just, part of my identity is knowing what's going on always. And I kind of want to let that go. And I do think it's probably just like a generational thing as well, like I said. Um, Because it's like in reality, what is the worst part about not knowing for like another few hours? Nothing. I might have some mental freedom at that. Being able to not have every bit of breaking news in my head at all times. So, 
I think when Twitter started going down the path that it is right now, now that Elon Musk is in the driver's seat, I'm like, this is my opportunity to get out and like take a serious Twitter break. Delete it from my phone, get away from it. Because I feel like everyone's going to delete their Twitter in the next couple months anyways. Like I feel like Elon Musk is about to run this website into the ground. Um, it's just going to become another conservative playground. I don't really want to be there while it happens. A lot of my favorite accounts have already gotten banned. So I'm like, what's even the point of being on this app anymore? The only reason I'm only on it to read like five people's tweets and see news as it pops up. So it's like, oh, I think we'll find new ways to fill the gap that Twitter is going to leave because I just don't think it's going to last that much longer. So anyways, I'm out. I've gotten out ahead of time. I've left. And who knows? Maybe I will re-download it in a few weeks if I feel like I'm, I don't know, missing something or I'm really truly out of the loop and I'll just, you know, make a random account and follow the five people I want to follow so that I can truly only use it for breaking news. Um, Because there's no reason for me to be on Twitter. At least not at the current moment. And even saying it out loud makes me, there's like a, ugh, like a discomfort in my gut that's like, but what if you don't know everything? Shut up, bitch. You're not supposed to know everything. So, goodbye Twitter. We're done for now. (laughs) Peace the fuck out. But anyways, how are you guys? How are we doing? How are we feeling? So sorry I missed you guys last week. No podcast episode. Um, To be honest, I recorded and edited an entire episode and then when I was about to go upload it, I was listening to it back and I realized that I hated it. So I was like, yeah, we're not going to upload this. Don't put that up. I I don't ever want to release something just for the sake of releasing something. I want to like everything that I put out. And I honestly, I think that last week I had nothing to talk about. I felt like so head empty, no thoughts um, that I think the only thing that my brain thought to talk about during the episode was like extremely personal things. <laughs> because it's like okay I have nothing to contribute to any larger conversations this week what can I talk about okay the things that are going on in my personal life and then I was always listening to it back I was like do you even want that information on the internet and I reflected and was like you know what no no I don't I need to respect my own boundaries and keep certain parts of myself offline respect my own privacy. And I think I was so bored last week that I started disrespecting my privacy. Um, so decided not to upload that episode. It was for the best. I'm sorry to any of you guys who really look forward to the show and were hoping for an episode last week, but, um, yeah, living and learning over here. And as I always say, I am just one girl. And I, I say that for me more than anyone else. Cause I, I put so much pressure on myself to do everything and get everything right and be like functioning at a hundred percent capacity at all times. And to be honest, I am just one girl. So a lot of the people I compare myself to have like teams of people helping them. So it's so easy for me to be like, Oh, well this person doesn't miss a week of their podcast. And it's like, yeah, well they have an editor. So, (laughs) you know, that's a 
fraction of the time it takes you to produce an episode because you are the one planning the show, shooting the show, editing the show, queuing the show on all social platforms. It takes me a long time to do this shit, so I'm just trying to be more gentle with myself in this process. In this process of learning. Sometimes I think and I'm like, how long is it? How long can we call it a process of learning? But really the process of learning is forever. Because I'm like, I've been working for myself for like almost a year now. And I'm still like, I'm learning. And it's true, I am. <laughs> but it's sometimes I'm like, how how long can I say that I'm learning for? And maybe the truth is forever. I don't know. Well, I'll reflect on that and get back to you. <laughs> I'm going to keep saying that I'm learning because I that's how I f- still fucking feel at the current moment. Um, yeah, we've had a week. I had a nice good cry before recording this, um, which I think I've said before, I I think the best time to record a podcast for me is right after I finish crying. That's the real slumber party fuck of it all, right? What's a slumber party without crying? Is it even a slumber party? Honestly, I've just felt a little overwhelmed, felt a little underwater, feel like I haven't been able to give um, some of the parts of my life that I really truly care about enough TLC because I've been so focused on just like knocking shit off of my to-do list, um, especially just like gearing up for the holidays. I feel like I'm just like working towards Christmas at this point because I'm going to take a month off uh, towards the end of this year, beginning of next year. It'll be like half of December and half of January I'm going to take off. And try to be off the internet because I just desperately need it. Um, but right now I just feel like I'm in a constant state of being underwater until that moment happens. So I'm trying to fix that. But yeah, I had a good little cry about it. I'm probably going to order my comfort food after I film this podcast. Which is a bacon, egg, and cheese from Dunkin' Donuts, baby. I don't give a fuck that it tastes like shit. <laughs> Like, objectively, it is one of the worst bacon, egg, and cheeses you can get. And I say this as someone who's a bacon, egg, and cheese connoisseur. And a chef when it comes to bacon, egg, and cheeses. I can't cook much. I can fuck up a bacon, egg, and cheese. And there's just something about a Dunkin' Donuts bacon, egg, and cheese. I think it's because when I was a kid, my dad... I think I've mentioned this before, how I didn't grow up in a very religious family... My mom was Catholic, but we, you know, I went through like CCD and schooling and stuff. I got confirmed. So I went through all of like the like Catholic schooling, Um, but we never went to church. We weren't very religious. Like there's no part of my family is fucking Catholic in any way. I, I think it was just a formality. My mom wanted us to do all that shit because she did. Anyways, um, my dad has always been like a atheist or agnostic I don't know what he describes himself as but he doesn't give a fuck about religion and when we would go to church as kids um, back when my mom actually used to have us go to church every once in a while my dad would stay home and say that he was uh, going to the church of Torin which is his name and he would just be at home and sometimes if we got to go to the church of Torin um, he would take us to get Dunkin Donuts (laughs) for dinner (laughs) and sometimes there were some nights when I was really really little um like back when I was like a kid kid I was probably in like first grade kindergarten age it was like before my family moved into a bigger house because some of my siblings weren't born yet back when this would happen but my dad 
and mom like switched off which nights they worked late during the weeks as kids. And my dad came home early on Tuesdays and Thursdays um, throughout those like early years. And on Thursday nights, he would take us to the the lake in our town and go swimming and we'd get Dunkin' Donuts on the way back. So maybe there's something about Dunkin' Donuts that feels comforting to me because it's like that's the food we got when we were like so excited. <laughs> like, yeah, we're going to go to Dunkin' Donuts! <laughs> Which is also just so Massachusetts. So it's a little bit of home. It's a little bit of my childhood. It's the mass hole in me. What can I say? (laughs) It's the Massachusetts girl. Come on, Massachusetts girl. Say what's up in the comments. (laughs) But there's something about it. I keep trying their refreshers, the Dunkin' Donuts refreshers, hoping that they're going to somehow taste better every single time. Every single time I take one, it's like my brain gets hard reset. Those things are fucking packed with sugar. They're sweet as fuck. Like, they're disgusting. They're absolutely foul. I have bought them and watered them down before, and they're better if you water them down. Because, damn, what the hell? They're loading those bitches up. But in a way, I was like... Maybe they're just like literally giving me raw syrup right now and I'm supposed to water it down. So really, you're getting like triple the product. You're paying for one cup. But if you just like divvy it out and mix it with water at your house, then like they taste so much better and you get more bang for your buck. So you know what? Maybe this is more ammo for me against the Dunkin' Donuts haters of the world. You guys don't know what the fuck you're talking about. (laughs) Um, also I met a lot of you guys yesterday. Um, for those of you that don't know, um, there was a big plus size creator closet sale event that happened in Brooklyn the other day. And I was one of the vendors. I sold almost every item that I brought with me. So thank you to everyone who came out and shopped my closet. That was very convenient for me <laughs> just to do my big closet clean out in one day. Um, and I was so happy that I got to send some of my favorite pieces, some of my pre-loved pieces home with you guys and um, just have a little chat, hang out. I love being in um, plus size spaces in general. So it was so much fun to be around all of these fat creatives that I love and look up to friends of mine and getting to meet you guys in the process it was so much fun I will say when I got home I was like the introvert in me was like "Ah!" (laughs) I was like I need to not speak to anyone for three business days (laughs) I'm like oi big like social events just I'm not built for it. I'm so impressed with people that are built for it. And this is actually what I wanted to talk about today because I was reflecting on this before the event because I was a little nervous before uh, Sunday, just the days leading up to it because I knew that I was meeting a lot of people for the first time. I was meeting like mutuals of mine, internet friends of mine. I was meeting a ton of viewers. I was, you know, just having to chat with a lot of people that I don't know in one day. And I was like feeling a little nervous for it to happen. I like posted uh, on my close friends on Instagram and was like, 
do any of you guys want to come to the fucking pop-up with me and stand next to me? Because <laughs> I'm scared. I'm a little girl and I'm scared and I need some friends. <laughs> so it was nice. Some of my friends stopped by throughout the day just to be like, hello, how's it going, bestie? Um, which was very nice. It like is, it calms me down to see people that, um, I know and have spent a lot of time with. So I definitely appreciated that some of my friends showed up to sort of like ground me. Um, because yeah, socializing stresses me the fuck out. And I think that maybe I rejected accepting that I have a lot of social anxiety for a while because I'm like, it just doesn't make sense. Like I didn't want to call myself shy or I didn't want to, I didn't even want to call myself introverted for a long time because I felt like it was like, well, this makes no sense. It's not that I'm meek or timid, you know, like I'm opinionated as fuck. I'm loud. I have like the most obnoxious laugh on the face of the planet. I entertain people for a living this is what I've always done I've always been the theater kid I wanted to get every lead role that I ever every show I've ever been a part of I always wanted to be front row dead center in dance recitals and cheerleading competitions like I I love attention (laughs) I'm not shy in the way that some people are shy where they're just like don't want anyone to look at them I dress like a fucking traffic cone half the time like I, I, I am like I so much of who I am is like, look at me, look at me, look at me. I feel like it's just like, that's the theater kid in me. That's the entertainer in me at my heart. Um, and so I think because that side of myself exists, I always rejected the idea that I was shy or introverted or I don't know, had any kind of hesitancies in socializing because I I don't I would just be frustrated with myself every time the thought came into my brain like I I've always been the quiet kid my whole life in in most settings not all because I think that I was never the quiet kid in theater or in dance or at cheerleading like any creative space I'm not quiet I think I've always been able to immediately trust and open up to other creative people, um, other like self-certified weird kids. Um, But in any environment where that wasn't the case, I have been quiet as fuck. I used to get like every teacher in every class I've ever had ever on all of my report cards my whole life was like, you're so smart, but you don't speak up. You know, you write really great essays. You have so much to say. Why don't you speak more in class? And it's just because I was always mortified to speak in class. I don't, I didn't want to. I was afraid that someone would make fun of something I would say, or I would stutter on my words. I would say something wrong or I don't know. I just didn't even want people looking at me. (laughs) And I don't even think it's because I like didn't, it's, it's not because I didn't have something to say. Like I said, I'm an opinionated person. I always have things to contribute. It's just that like I have to be in a space and a group of people where I want to contribute and I never wanted to contribute in school because there were always people in the classroom that I wasn't comfortable with. But you know what class I was comfortable in? My public speaking class, my acting class, my art classes, my photography classes. Like I loved those classes People would be like in the audience before public speaking, being like, oh, I'm so nervous. And I'd be like so excited to get up there and give my speech. 
that feels like it doesn't make sense inside my brain where it's like, how am I both things? But it's true. I am both things. And maybe it just doesn't make sense to me because I feel like there's not really a word for it. Like being someone who is like very much an entertainer and loves being in the spotlight when it is for entertainment purposes. Um, And when it's on your own terms, when it's like planned and on my own terms and I'm the one deciding versus like speaking in a classroom or making myself known in like a group full of people that I don't know. Um, Particularly when it's not creative people. But even now as I'm thinking... There have definitely been groups of creative people that I've been in that I haven't been able to speak up in. Like, I think a few episodes ago, I talked about how I worked at Urban Outfitters for three years in college. And pretty much everyone that I met there was a like a college student studying something creative, going for theater, um, film, whatever. Everyone was super into fashion. So these are all creative people, right? But I said in that episode, I didn't make a single friend the entire time that I was at Urban. I was there for three fucking years and I was too shy to like really get to know anybody outside of small talk that they would have to initiate with me because I was too shy to initiate with them. So I don't know. Maybe it's just a vibe thing. But yeah, anyways, a little bit of rambling. Let me try to get back to my main point here, which was before I went to this event on Sunday, I was just reflecting on how I felt so nervous. And there's always a part of me that's like, come on, shake it off. Like, you know, you're you're a people person. You love people. You love talking to everybody. Shh, knock it off. You're good. You you love socializing. You've never you've never thought negatively of socializing ever in your life. You love it. You're so good. Yeah. Oh. Toughen up. And I just like want to pretend like I don't feel a pit in my stomach at the thought of being around so many people. But like I definitely do. But there's something about the word shy that just doesn't totally resonate with me. I think the word quiet does. I would call myself quiet even as I'm saying this. I'm like, you're not quiet. Because it just feels so contradictory to my other beliefs about myself. I sit here and I call myself quiet, but I'm also going to say that I'm too loud and too opinionated and I struggle with the idea of too much. I always think that I'm too much for people. Like I'm, I'm my personality is too big. And that's why I've struggled so much in dating. Like how much have we talked about this, about how I struggle with the idea of believing I'm too much. And yet at the same time, I think that I'm quiet and a little shy and socially awkward sometimes. Seems contradictory. But I do hold both beliefs about myself. So I don't know. Someone explain this. I feel like maybe it comes down to the fact that there isn't a word for what I'm talking about. Or maybe I just don't know the word that I'm thinking of. Because it's not that I'm timid or meek or shy in the sense that I am scared. But I'm just like a little introverted I guess maybe I'm just I'm just describing introversion (laughs) I don't recharge off of socializing I recharge off of alone time as much as I love socializing because it's not that I don't like it I was so I was so excited for Sunday to meet so many people that I had known on the internet to meet so many of you guys um 
but I'm like so nervous for it at the same time. And maybe part of that is because I'm like, I mean, socializing definitely does drain me. I think like some people, they get re-energized by socializing and they leave social gatherings feeling like, oh, fuck yeah. Like I'm re-inspired. I'm re-energized. And I'm the opposite where socializing does not energize me. It drains me. doesn't matter how much I enjoy the social interaction. It's going to drain me. You know, like I can go on, uh, I can go to a concert. I can go to a vacation. I can go on a trip with a ton of people, which is like, that's for relaxation. Every vacation I've ever gone, gone on ever. I need to take a few days after the vacation to like actually relax and get my energy back because being around other people 24 seven like that just drains me. doesn't matter how much fun I'm having. Like when I use the word drain, I don't mean it in a negative way. I just mean it like, you know, some people get their energy in different places. I get my energy from being alone, from being quiet, from having downtime to do nothing. And as much as I love socializing and doing events like this and you know, any, any kind of social activity, despite how fun it is, it also, uh, just makes me super tired. And I also definitely care what people think about me. (laughs) Obviously I want to make a good first impression on everyone. I want to be friends with everyone. I, I just want everything to go well. And I think I do have like a fear of things not going well. And maybe that's just like a product of my childhood and like, I don't know, not being liked as a kid, being bullied as a kid, being the weird kid in a lot of communities as a kid. Um, so now when I meet people, I just like really want them to like me and I also want them to feel liked. I want to make other people feel good because I know that a lot of us feel this way about social interactions. Like we, we read too deeply into it. We're like worried about how we're coming off and then we worry that we come off the wrong ways or we're going to hurt someone's feelings or we don't listen well enough or maybe I didn't make eye contact enough. Like we're hypercritical of ourselves and social interactions and I'm, I'm aware that other people are doing it too. And it's not just me that is a little nervous to socialize sometimes. Um, so I feel like I'm also always aware of like the fact that I'm, I'm actively trying to make other people feel good and included in conversations. Um, between this event coming up and just reflecting on, um, my introversion or maybe how I've rejected the words shy to describe myself in the past paired with I've seen a lot of like quiet kid TikToks lately like there was one that I saw the other day about like when the quiet kid's laptop is dead and there's like people talking next to the outlet and their desk is you know in the more in the middle of the classroom so they would need to ask the people that are talking if they could plug it in and they keep looking back and they're like really stressed out, like, don't want to interrupt this conversation. Don't, don't like know how to ask if they can plug the laptop in. So then they just close their laptop and they're like, well, it's dead. (laughs) The teacher's like, um, hello. Um, what's up? Like get your laptop out. And the kid's like, well, it's dead. And then the teacher asks for them and is like, oh, okay. Well, can you, can you plug in their laptop please? And the kids that were talking were like, why didn't you just say something? 
And I watched that TikTok and was like, holy shit. <laughs> Cause that's me. <laughs> that's been me my whole life. I feel like I'm always, I'm like, I don't know. Maybe I've always attributed that to overthinking over being a quiet kid. I've always, maybe in my head, I'm like, they're talking. You can't interrupt them because they're talking. That's so rude. If you do that, they're going to think that you're really rude. And then they're going to talk badly about you and everyone's going to hate you. <laughs> like, it's just like, I don't know. It gets catastrophized inside my head. And maybe that's an extreme example. I don't know if that's exactly who I would have, what my thought process would have been in that situation. But like things like that happened all the time as a kid. And now as an adult too. <sighs> Even like being in an elevator with people, like being in an elevator with strangers, and I live in a building that has an elevator. Every time I'm in the elevator, when I press a button, I hope to God there's nobody in the elevator <laughs> because I'm so awkward. I'm so awkward in the elevator and like other people get in the elevator and I'll have, I'll be in my head like. If someone gets in, you're going to ask them what floor they need to be pressed. And then you're going to press it for them. <laughs> or, like, or I'll be like, okay, if, if you make eye contact, you're going to smile. And then um, maybe ask them how they're doing. And then when you leave the elevator, make sure you say, have a good one. No more, no less. Just leave it at that. <laughs> and I have to like coach myself through having these interactions. It's not something that comes naturally to me. And if it appears natural, I'm doing a great fucking job. Because trust me, it's not none. It's all manufactured. <laughs> I'm I it just it stresses me out. I get nervous. I don't know what to say. I just need a little bit of time to warm up to people. And honestly, I think that um, because I feel like a walking contradiction, I worry that other people misunderstand me or they will uh, interpret me as a walking contradiction. For example, I always worried that if people watched my YouTube videos in college, if people watched me online before they met me, uh, they might be really confused when they meet me in person and I'm quiet. I think that I was always worried that somebody would watch my videos and think that I'm this like super loud outgoing person and then they'd meet me out and I would be quiet and maybe I would I, I would contribute less in conversations or um, I let other people lead and they would interpret that as me not giving a fuck or being rude because they're like oh I know she's outgoing but she never talks to me so she must hate me and I always used to be worried that people would perceive me that way because I I would never want anyone to think that of me, right? Um, I'm just quiet. And I, I think sometimes people see, like, they would watch my YouTube videos and see how I am with, like, my best friends or by myself. And they'd be forgetting that's like, yeah, this video is being posted on the internet for thousands of people to watch. And, you know, that's not saying nothing, it definitely makes me a different genre of quiet kid. But at the end of the day, like I'm filming these videos alone in my apartment. I'm filming these videos with my best friends in my apartment or sometimes out and about. But I'm like with the people that are closest to me. You know what I mean? Or I'm by myself. It's not like 
I don't know. It just is different, isn't it? I I don't think I've ever perceived myself as shy, but I don't know that I've ever perceived myself as outgoing either. I'm like somewhere in the middle because I, I have aspects of both. I have a lot of traits of like a very friendly, warm, outgoing, bubbly, loud, entertaining person. I have a lot of traits of that person, but I also have a lot of traits of a quiet, more reserved, likes to be at home, better at one-on-one conversations, totally overthinks social interactions person. I have traits of both. Because like while I can sit here and pull out stories where I overthink interactions in an elevator, I can also tell you just as many stories of me in leadership positions or, you know, moments when there are other people in a group with me that are quieter than I am. I'm the one who's going to include them in the conversation. I'm the one that's going to step up to make sure that they are heard and they are taken care of. So it's like I, I'm doing both at the same time. What do you call that? Do you have a word for us? Us quiet but not quiet people. Ah? Uh? I feel like if you get it, you get it. And if you don't, you don't. Because I'm saying a bunch of words right now. And I understand that to someone who is super outgoing, you probably have no idea what I'm talking about. And maybe to someone who's super quiet, you have no idea what I'm talking about. And you're just like, well, I'm actually genuinely a quiet kid and I couldn't imagine posting myself to thousands of people on the internet. And you know what? Fair. (laughs) Fair fucking enough. And then the people that are genuinely outgoing are like, you have to prep yourself to say have a good one in an elevator. What the fuck are you on about? Like, they don't get it either. So I'm like, okay, well, where are the people in the middle that do both of these things? Where it's like, I'm an entertainer. I'm very much a leader. I'm loud. I'm opinionated, like I'm always making jokes. I I love being the center of attention. I love being like the lively one in friend groups. I wouldn't necessarily call myself shy because of all those things, but I wouldn't call myself outgoing either because of all of the other things. Why don't we have a word? Or if there is a word, can you share it with me? Because I, I just feel like I need a word to describe what that is. I'm quiet, but not shy, but I'm not that quiet because I also do all of these things. Here's my resume of loud person activities that I engage in on a weekly basis. (laughs) I don't know. Maybe what I'm describing is just a person. (laughs) And we're just all perceiving each other as being better at everything like I perceive most other people at being like better at socializing than I am, but really they're doing the same thing that I'm doing inside my head. And we're all somewhere in the middle and maybe there doesn't need to be a word. I would like there to be a word though. Put me in a nice little neat box, bitch. Yeah. So anyways, that was my reflection after getting home from the event being like, that was so much fun. Nobody talked to me for three days. <laughs> I had such a good time. Um, okay, well, now I need to stare at a wall while I recoup from socializing with that many people.
So anyways, that was my weekend. That was my week. In other news, I've been seeing so many TikToks talking about how to train yourself to emote less, how to use your facial muscles less so you can avoid aging, which is something that actually pops up on the internet every few years, but it's usually under a different name every single time pops up. Like I remember two summers ago, uh, face yoga was a thing. That's what they would call it. Face yoga. And they would basically just be like different exercises to do for your face to either like magically get rid of a double chin or this exercise, this like face yoga thing is supposed to make it so that you scrunch your forehead less. Whatever the fuck these people start posting about. I think anybody who makes that type of content is actually evil. I think you are bad people. I don't believe in heaven and hell, but if I did, you'd be going to the bad place, babes. (laughs) I just think that like people who produce content like that are actively contributing to so many people's negative body image and negative body image contributes to so many other, you know, issues. It can grow so much farther than just, oh, I have bad body image. All of a sudden people have like full blown eating disorders. And these are people that are fueling behaviors like that, that are making these, these poor people think that they have to live like this. It's just, you're evil if you make content like that. And I understand that a lot of people who make that content are suffering themselves. Um, yeah, it takes, it takes a lot of patience for me to like totally understand and wrap my head around why the fuck anybody would make this kind of content. Cause I just think it's so ridiculous. Um, to be like, no, you're not allowed to age. We don't want to have forehead wrinkles. We would do anything to get rid of wrinkles. So, you know, what we're going to do is we're going to train ourselves to smile less. Next time you laugh, you're only allowed to laugh for maximum 10 seconds, because if you do any more, then you're going to get lines around your eyes. And we just simply can't have that. Like, are we It makes me so sad. Like, when you look back at your life, when you die, when we're just dust, when you and I are dead in the dirt, we're buried, we're long gone, we're mere figments of everyone's imagination. When that happens to us, do you want to look back on your life knowing that you spent such a significant portion of time stressing out about maintaining one body for the rest of your life? And for what fucking reason? Because you were taught that that's the most desirable thing. That's the most attractive thing. Do you not ever feel the desire to question where those beliefs came from? Where did you learn that aging was bad? Where did you learn that having forehead wrinkles or crow's feet was a bad thing? Have you ever questioned where you learned that from? Have you ever questioned if there were other ways that we could possibly be looking at aging And how to celebrate and appreciate our features as we grow throughout our lives. I personally, I've said in the past that I would never get any Botox or plastic surgery. Um, It's just personally against my own morals. Um, But also, 
beyond the moral side of it on a personal level, which I've talked about in previous episodes before, if you want to listen more about that, I talked about how I have conflicting feelings about plastic surgery in an old episode. So I'm not going to go into that right now, but beyond just like the, you know, my own moral compass, why would I want to reinforce to myself that I have to look one way to be beautiful? That feels like it would be way harder on my mental health. Like I, I get the logic of like, I'm struggling with my mental health. This is super hard for me to see my body aging. So I'm going to do X, Y, Z to prevent it because that's easier for my mental health. But I feel like that would actually fuck me more. Cause what are you teaching yourself? You're teaching yourself that you have to look one certain way to be hot, to feel attractive, to feel your best. You won't give yourself the grace of aging. I don't know. It just, that doesn't feel good in my body. That's not what I, that's not the kind of message that I would want to send to myself. Also, I just think that aging is beautiful. I want to look 30 when I'm 30. I want to look 40 when I'm 40. I want to look 50 when I'm 50. I have no desire to look 25 for the rest of my fucking life. Like I want, I want you to be able to see the wrinkles on my face smile lines, crow's feet. Like I, I want to have these things as I get older. Right. I don't know. I guess I just don't really understand it that much. And it's not even that I, I grew up around women who weren't getting plastic surgery. I think I grew up around a lot of women that did not have any work done. I think the majority of my family members have never had any work done, but like my mom has had Botox. She's had filler. She's had other cosmetic procedures. Like I grew up around, you know, a lot of women who never had any work done, but also around a lot of women that did have work done. And maybe that is influencing the way that I think as well, where it makes me sad to see like the adult women in my life that I've looked up to my whole life. It makes me sad to watch them struggle with their bodies and accepting their bodies as they age. I think that's been a struggle for me my entire life, like all throughout childhood. I've always been around adults that had really negative body image, which is why I had negative body image as a kid. Where do you think I learned it from? Um, And so maybe that's another part of my beliefs now and like why aging is so beautiful is because I watched so many adults as a kid struggle with body image And now it's like, I would just never want to buy into the school of thought that like aging makes us any less beautiful in any way. It's just so ridiculous. It's a dumb idea. Just makes me fired up thinking about it. Like I don't even need a a proper explanation for why I'm not about it. I'm just not because aging is beautiful and I want to grow into my body and let my life show on my face and on my skin. And like, I'm just not trying to look one specific way my entire life. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that the world wants me to look one specific way, but I don't give a shit. I'm sorry. I don't, but it, what's even crazier I got a little off track again. Fucking, I just be talking. Women be shopping. Fuck. <laughs> but I, beyond just like the the plastic surgery, like Botox 
aspect of it. Telling people you don't need Botox because you can just train your face to stop emoting. I need you guys to be so serious right now. Stop joking. I need you to cut the cameras. It's just me and you. Look me dead in my fucking eyes and tell me, tell me with a straight face that being hot is more important than laughing and connecting with people and having a good life. Tell me right now, look me in my eyes and tell me that not having wrinkles is more important than emoting and enjoying moments with your loved ones. If you think that being hot and having wrinkles, not having wrinkles, is more important than laughing, smiling, and living, going through your life freely without the constant thought inside your head of like, oh, don't smile for too long, don't smile too big, don't raise your eyebrows too high, because you might get wrinkles. If you genuinely, genuinely, like no bullshit, think that's more important, then I would encourage you to seek help because that is very upsetting and you don't deserve to feel that way. You are so much more than what you look like. Life is so much more important than what we look like. This is like a temporary sack of flesh. It's going to be gone someday, right? And at the end of our lives, when we look back at it all, what is most important? What is going to be most important? Do we want to spend our whole lives making ourselves miserable, forcing ourselves to laugh only 50% of the way so that we don't get wrinkles? Come on. <laughs> Life is so much more than that. It makes me so sad because it's like, I, I sit here and I start getting fired up and I start getting angry because, you know, I'm basically talking to myself when I do these fucking things. But truly, to be in a place where you're making content about how to teach yourself to stop emoting to avoid wrinkles, you have to be very seriously struggling. And as angry as this content makes me because I think that it's one thing to struggle with yourself and it's another thing to make content like this and post it on the internet for thousands of other people who are struggling to also start believing and acting like that. And I think that we have some type of responsibility when it comes to what we post, especially about body image. I know that the people that post this shit are deeply, deeply struggling with themselves and they might not even know it because we are in a place where aging and looking one certain way is reinforced to us by the beauty standard in so many ways, in so many casual ways that a lot of people believe that like this is just the way that it is. And that there's no possible world where you are able to be someone that is okay with aging, that doesn't give a fuck about wrinkles, and it's just like having a good life. Oi, it makes me really sad. I just wanted to say a little bit about that because I've seen a bunch of it online. It makes me really upset, and I've definitely seen all of those articles that people are writing lately about how we're about to go back to the era of the 90s and early 2000s where super, super skinny was the body trend. And, you know, there's all these 
trend forecasters and news outlets that are saying that super skinny is coming back and whatever slim thick body that's been in for 10 years is going and listen I don't think that bodies should be trends I don't think that body types should be trends um and I'm not saying the last 10 years were great for body image but I can tell you that the 90s and early 2000s were really awful for body image I mean, having a a body, having one body type as a trend is always going to be bad regardless. But having the like 90s, early 2000s, what do they say? Like heroin chic body type be the upheld body type um, is difficult. In the culture that we live in, in the culture that we're growing up in, having a trendy body type has been a thing. Now, it's always bad. It's never good right? But in the last 10 years, when we were moving away from the super, super skinny, and we moved into like this slim, thick era where you're allowed to have some curves, but only in the places we deem acceptable, which still is fucked and sucks. But it's, it's one baby, 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 infant, newborn in the earth for two days, a baby step better than being like you have to be a double fucking zero in order to be hot, which is just fucking insane. (laughs) But you have all these news outlets and trend forecasters saying that that's the direction we're going in, that we're going back towards the early 2000s and 90s, which is dumb, dumb, big dumb. And it's, um, yeah, it's, it's a little scary just remembering how it was when I grew up and a lot has changed in the last 10 years like when I was a kid when I was like elementary middle school it was a very different world than it was when I was in like late high school and college um and I think that like I first got into like the body positivity space and the fat liberation space as a junior in high school, which was 2013. Um, So 10 years ago, basically. Wow, that's crazy. Um, But before then, for the 16 years of my life before I was introduced to the body positivity movement and fat liberation movement, my experience consuming like body image content was very different and I think that over the last decade we've seen like such a um explosion in accessibility to conversations about body image and mental health asking for help um how to have healthy conversations about your body with yourself with your friends um things like that I think there's just been like such an explosion of good resources over the last decade or so and part of that is just like with the growth of social media um with all the bad there has been lots of good and part of that has come from us moving farther away from the 90s and early 2000s and um you know trying to move towards a more inclusive view on bodies and not one that's like you have to look one specific way you dumb fat bitch lose some weight (laughs) we only put skinny bitches in the arby's ads (laughs) but 
Now they're saying that we might be going back to the era of heroin chic, whatever the fuck they were calling it. How awful. If I need to get back out there and start fighting the tabloids like it's 2007, I'll do it, baby. We can get crazy. (laughs) Fucking, I did not grow up watching Jessica Simpson and Britney Spears be absolutely slaughtered by the media for having a body. To watch them do it again? Are you kidding? No, babe. It's not going to happen. Oy vey. Social media is a hellscape sometimes. But we deleted our Twitters, baby, so we're free from at least one of them. (laughs) Now I'm just stuck on the other seven. So anyways, end of the show here. I thought we would end, wrap up by going through a few little requests for advice maybe just two two little quickies so the first one I have here says I came out as queer a few years ago and I've barely had crushes on anyone since I've been doing exams and school has been busy so I didn't really care this year I've developed the fattest lamest cringiest crush ever on a girl who I have some classes with we've started becoming friendly talking about books music etc and we seem to get on really well About three times now, we've just started doing something stupid and burst out laughing and shit. I've seen her looking at me multiple times in a class, and I'm getting the feeling that the crush might be mutual, but I'm so nervous and terrified to make a move because I kind of don't really believe anyone would have a crush on me. Any advice on crushes, what I should do, making moves, etc. would be greatly appreciated. Now, two short days later, I get another submission in the advice box that says, update on my question about having a crush. I asked the girl out to an ice cream date and it was so good. We get on so well and I've secured a second date for coffee. I just need a little advice on feeling relaxed and not overthinking if she truly likes me romantically or not. I think it's extra because we're both girls and this is not only my first proper relationship, but my first true queer crush. I loved nothing more than reading this submission and then seeing two days later there was an update. I was like, oh my God, I have a front row fucking seat. There's already an update, baby. Fill me the fuck in. So first of all, I just want to say that struggling to feel relaxed during the dating process and struggling with overthinking if they like you back is a normal part of the dating process. This is coming from someone who does this to this day. I feel like I will probably always be like this a little bit. Um... There have definitely been moments in my life where I have struggled with this worse than I have presently. I actually talked about this a little bit in my last YouTube video where I was talking about feeling worried about getting hurt again. And when I'm dating someone, sometimes I can get sort of taken out of the dating process. I can't enjoy it as much because I'm so stressed out half the time where I'm not relaxed. I'm I'm constantly worried about what's coming next. And something that I've had to work on with myself is like how to work on accepting that the dating process is full of uncertainties and it's always going to be a little uncomfortable for us. We're always going to feel a little bit nervous, a little bit on edge during the process of dating someone because we're invested and our feelings are involved. And of course, we're going to feel some type of way about you know, not having all the answers all at once. We have a crush on someone. We hope that they are developing the same feelings on us. But until that conversation happens, we don't know for sure. And not having that information naturally 
can make you a little nervous, can make you feel like, oh my God, how could I possibly relax right now? I really like this person. I'm developing a higher investment in them. I don't know if they are in me just yet. And it's making me nervous. I don't think that we have to wish away those feelings. And that's something that I think about with myself all the time as well. I don't think the solution is like, okay, well, I'm going to aim for a place where I'm completely relaxed in dating and I never ever worry if someone is also thinking about me the way I'm thinking about them. Naturally, if you are invested in someone, if you have a crush on someone, you're going to hope that they like you back. And maybe there will be moments where you worry like, oh, geez, like, is it going well? Is it not going well? That's all completely normal. I don't think you have to wish those feelings away. They can definitely be a little bit uncomfortable at times, depending like how often these thoughts are consuming you. Um, But at the end of the day, understand that like everybody that dates feels like some variation of those thoughts. I think for myself, when I'm trying to calm myself down a little bit, when I feel like these thoughts are clouding too much of my day to day and it is becoming distracting to me. And I, I just feel like I'm worrying too much. It goes past the, you know, dating someone, the jitters of dating someone, of having a crush and goes into the space of like, okay, well, actually this is taking up a lot of brainwaves at this point. Um, when it starts to go over that edge for me, I will usually try to just sit with myself, take a step back and remind myself that love is not scarce. So we can hope that everything goes well and that everything works out and maybe it will, right? We can't predict what's going to happen. So it's no use worrying and convincing yourself the worst case scenario is going to happen. But let's indulge for a second. Let's say the worst case scenario does happen. The thoughts inside your head, they're like, oh, what if they don't like me? What if it doesn't work out? Let's indulge it for a second and say that that is what happens. That is how all of this ends up. Even if worst case scenario happens, you will be okay. Even if this doesn't turn into anything, you will be totally fine. And it's because love is not scarce. I think sometimes when we meet someone that we really like, we feel like, God, there's so much riding on this. This has to work out because you like them so much and you've never felt this way before. There's like a newness that exists within that relationship dynamic and um, it makes everything feel like so important. Like you want to hang on to it for dear life because what, what if you never feel this way again? What if it never comes back? And so the ending can feel like so much more Uh, intimidating and scary because we wonder like is this it like is this is this all I'm gonna get is this the best there is like should I I've got to hang on to this this good thing but at the end of the day I only want to be with someone that wants to be with me and I hope that this goes that direction I hope this relationship develops that way because I can see it developing that way but if it doesn't and this is not meant to be if this relationship is not meant to develop into something more long-term, then I've had so much fun during the process of dating this person. I've enjoyed feeling giddy, having this butterfly feeling in my stomach. It's been so fun to explore having a crush on this person. I've learned so much about myself through the process of allowing myself to love this person. And if it turns out that this is not 
the right thing for me, then that's totally okay. This has been such a fun experience nevertheless, and I'm excited to meet the person that is going to be right for me. I look forward to meeting, you know, the person that I'm going to feel this way with, but it's going to work out as well. Like, I think sometimes we convince ourselves that like, if it doesn't work, that like there's so much more riding on it than there actually is. And that contributes to the worries a little bit. But at the end of the day, you'll be okay if it doesn't work out. And we can't predict these things. We can't speed the process up. It'll happen when it happens. And all we can do is try our best to sort of de-escalate ourselves, calm our minds down when we start feeling that way. But otherwise, just, you know, let yourself feel the nerves as they wash over you and just enjoy the process of getting to know someone. Enjoy the feeling of having a crush. It's so much fun, even if it doesn't work out, you know things working out, things turning into a long-term relationship is not the be-all end-all, right? You learn so much about love, about caring for people, about yourself through the process of dating. It's not just through long-term relationships do we learn those things about ourselves, you know? Even just through the process of dating, of putting yourself out there, asking someone that you had a crush on out on a date. That's huge. Like that's so brave of you. And it, it, it takes a lot of courage to put yourself out there like that, to ask someone out on a date. So like, I hope that this goes so well. I hope that this blossoms into what you hope it blossoms into. I hope that this is a happy, healthy dating experience for you. But even if it doesn't escalate into a long-term relationship, you have already grown so much from this experience you have already gotten so much good out of this experience just from you know having the moment of putting yourself out there like that like there there's so much more to look at here other than just the the be all end all of actually ending up with that person easier said than done but I think sometimes all we can do is sort of like calm ourselves down, have these types of conversations with ourselves just to sort of de-escalate ourselves, remind ourselves that love is out there. Love is not scarce and like it's going to be what it's going to be and you can't, you can't force it and you also can't wish the nerves completely away and you shouldn't. Just part of the process. It's uncomfortable but it is very rewarding and I'm, I'm rooting for you. I'm rooting for the both of you and um, yeah, Give me some more updates and would love to hear any more updates as they come in. All right. That took longer than I thought it was going to. So I think I'm just going to end right there. That's our episode, everyone. Thanks so much for hanging out with me. Um, sorry again for missing last week. Missed you dearly. Love you so much. And I'll see you guys next week. Goodbye. <laughs>